Blog Talk Radio. Third Nation Radio presents We've Got Issues! A comprehensive look at this week's comic books. Another episode of We've Got Issues. It's Volume Two, Episode Three. Uh, we are covering books from January sixteenth. The releases from that week. Uh, I know we're a little late, but we're always late, and we'll try to like, get better. We're going to reformat the show soon. And uh, I'm wired, and I wasn't until five minutes ago when my co-host joined me, Gene Hoyle. Hello, Nerd Nation. Hi. What's on your pull list, Curtis? <laughs> What's on your pull list? Uh, it's funny now that like now we're actually on the air. You you you're not a ball of fire like you were a minute ago. Oh, I'm I I'm there, man. Let's do this. Yeah. Dude, I'm ready. Dude, yeah. uh, you know what? Let me tell you something. Before we get really started, um, it was really hard for me to decide my book of the week because it was a fantastic week for books. It was a good week. Fantastic. Uh- I'm I'm looking at my list right now and I'm realizing there are both a ton of like fours and there's also a whole bunch of ones. So I'm not really sure. Maybe <laughs> maybe I spoke too soon. Um I'm Mr. Negative though, Curtis Southerd. I'm joined by Gene Hoyle, Mr. Positive. Hello there. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> hey, I'd have anyway, uh before this goes too far out of out of out of whack, today's episode is brought to you by no, today's bought, brought to you by a sponsor. Oh, yes, of course. The Legend of Buck Buccaneer. I've got a commercial. Here we go. We're going to play that. We'll be right back. The Legend of Buck Buccaneer, now on Kickstarter. The Legend of Buck Buccaneer started out as an idea formulated by two lifelong friends, Dan Bodenstein and Ron Rebron. Their original idea had Buck as a character in a comic book. But over several years, the idea expanded into a full-fledged adventure novel. Now available on Kickstarter. This young adult novel about Buck Buccaneer, a simple swashbuckler. He has a thirst for adventure and he is tossed into a world of piracy. His present mixes with his past as he is driven to find answers to who he really is. Fascinated by the folklore and legends of the notorious pirate, Captain Lucky Longfeather, Buck hatches a plan. Together with his first mate, Mr. Egg, and his burly quartermaster, Chumley, Buck sets out to find a crew to undertake a quest to solve a long-standing mystery of the Caribbean. Encouraging children to read has been a goal for Dan and Ron. Instead of stretch goals, they've decided to donate books. For every $100 pledged, they've d- donated a book to the Little Free Library. The Little Free Library is a nonprofit organization that provides free books to people throughout the use of local little libraries. For additional information, follow The Legends of Buck Buccaneer on Facebook and look for them on Kickstarter. Like you know, just like Buck Buccaneer, you and I have a thirst for adventure as well. Yes, we do. Go check Buck Buccaneer out on Kickstarter. They could use your pledge. Uh, that's B U C B U two words B U C B U C A N E E R Buck Buccaneer. Yeah, you know um, Dan's a great guy. 
a friend of mine, and uh, this book looks really, really good. It like like we said in the commercial, it started out as a comic concept, but he realized it was it was kind of too big just to do a few comics, so they they did novel on it. I can't wait to read mine. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and let's let's dive into this week's show. As always on We've Got Issues, we rate and review a bunch of books, but we're gonna go rapid fire at first. We're gonna start with DC Comics, and here's a bunch of books that uh, we're just gonna kind of briefly mention. Uh, Batman Who Laughs number two. Came out this week. Scott Snyder and Jacques did it. Uh, Jacques' art is fantastic, and I still maintain that the very first page—I should have this should have been something I talked about. But anyway, the very first page narration in this book is one of the best things I've ever read in a long time in a Batman book. Uh, I gave it a three. Gene, I uh, that first page was fantastic, but that didn't save the book for me. I give it a one. I hate there this book. Go. Okay. Cat, Catwoman number seven by Joelle Jones and Elena Casagrande and Fernando Blanco came out this week. I still am not digging this new Catwoman book that much, uh, though the Penguin shows up in it. I gave it a two. I gave it a three. This is my favorite issue so far, but not good enough yeah. to be on my talk list. Uh, Electric Warriors number three came out. Steve Orlando, Travel <laughs> Foreman. Man, this book uh, just ain't doing it for me. I gave it a one. Um, one stand, so it's just awful. Uh, here we go. Here's where we might argue. Flash number 62 came out. Joshua Williamson wrote it. Christian Deuce did the art. Uh, the Royal Flush Gang was in it, and that didn't save it for me. So was Roulette, Roulette, roulette whatever. Um, but they're still in Bulgaria, wherever they are. Not Bulgaria. That's in Marvel. Whatever the place um, is. It's. Oh, crap. I didn't write it down on my notes here. Um, yeah, I don't care. I gave it a one. It's the, Nothing it's, happened. Yeah, it's the place It's the place that Beetle and Booster go to in Just League International at one point, yeah. isn't it? By, I forget is the it name. Bialia? Bialia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I gave it a three. I am enjoying this story, and this is actually my favorite issue probably for the, from the last, like, five or six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next up was... Goddess Mode number two came out by Zoe Quinn and Robbie Rodriguez. I know Gene really liked the art in this book. I didn't think the art could save it. It's not my thing. I'm not digging it too much. I gave it a one as well. Um, I gave it a two, but only for the art. The, the story is pretty awful, but it's really pretty to look at, especially the, the colorist really makes a difference on this this book, I think. Yeah, and I'm not breaking my trend here, folks. House of Whispers, number five, came out by Nala Hopkins, Dan Waters, and Dominique Stanton. Uh, I'm done with this book. Uh, out of all the Sandman books, I think this is the weakest one. I don't care. Uh, in no particular reason. It's just not doing it for me. I gave it a one. Yeah, I was really excited for the Sandman universe, and uh, every book has failed me. I give it a one. Red Hood Outlaw, number 30, by Scott Lobdell and Pete Woods. Um Okay, Bunker shows up. That's kind of neat. I mean, I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of the character, but I like I like when they bring a character back. I, I don't like to waste characters. And so Bunker being right. there, kind of cool. I gave it a two. I believe Scott Liddell was the guy writing Titans when uh, Bunker was introduced. So, yeah, yeah. It's, good, it's good to see him recycling that character. Cause I thought he was kind of neat, and I thought he was going to make more of an impact, uh, and he just disappeared, and that was disappointing. So, yeah, it's good to see him back. We'll see what they do with it. I give it a three. Change that costume. That costume's horrible. Anyway, um, 
Wonder Woman number 62 by G. Willow Wilson and Zermanico came out, ending seemingly ending the Ares story for now. Uh, Ares gets defeated simply by, uh, well, some fighting and uh, Aphrodite telling him something. Um, I gave it a two. I, I, I was high hopes for this Wonder Woman relaunch, sort of, with the new team, but uh, I don't know. It's just not doing it for me. I really liked it. I gave it. I gave it a three, though. Not not really spectacular, but I, I I've enjoyed this story. All right. With that being said, that's some rapid fire. We're gonna head back now. We're gonna cover some of these other books a little more. We'll start with Detective Comics number nine hundred and ninety six. Peter Tomazzi wrote it. Doug Monk, Monkey, whatever, drew it. It guest stars Ducard, and if like I said to Gene off yeah. air a while ago. If you want me to be excited about a Batman book, you put Ducard in it. Uh, though he seems to die. Spoiler alert, <laughs> he seems to die again. But I've seen that happen. Yeah, so we'll, many we'll times. see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. Uh, um, he's almost a hundred. He's a hundred issues old now. Right. Uh, he yeah. first appeared in Detective Five Ninety Eight. Wow. Yep. Well, then he's almost five hundred issues old. No, right? Yeah, it's five ninety eight. Okay, that's cool. Wow. Uh, anyway, Batman goes on a bit of a uh, a quest to uh, he realizes that whoever's targeting him seems to be targeting his teachers, so he goes to find Ducard and then the Sensei, uh, who I believe is the Sensei uh, from DC lore, and then uh, the original Mister Miracle at the end of it, which was fantastic and a nice nod and homage to. Uh, some classic stuff. I know Gene and I talked off the air about like how neat it is to bring in some deep diving stuff. And I think Peter Tomazzi is doing oh, a great man. job of that wherever he goes. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That sensei, I believe his name was Kariji. Something, Something like, like that. that. Right. Yeah. But I think that's I, I just think he the appeared sensei. somewhere else before. Yeah. I think yeah, so. Like Manhunter and stuff. I think, I think it's the same guy. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, and the Mr. Miracle we see is actually the first one who a lot of people kind of forget exists because he, he didn't do much. He hasn't shown up much. Uh, the guy who's actually just an escape artist, uh, Thaddeus Brown. Yeah. I'm sort of excited. Um, he trained the third Mr. Miracle for a little while, mentored him, um, gave him the costume to Scott Free to start him out. So that's pretty fantastic. It's not a character I ever expected to see again. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I really love the book. Doug Monk's art er, is fantastic. Um, I look forward to anything these guys do together. Uh, Tamazi, when he works with guys like Monk or, or uh, Doug Monkey, whatever, however you pronounce I got to find out how you pronounce his name at some point. I um, think it is Monkey. Monkey. Anyway, uh, whether it's him or whether it's uh, Patrick Gleason, who he's worked with a lot, his, it, it always works. Peter Tamazi is a great uh, uh perfect writer nearly in, in the DCU right now. Yeah. I think he's uh my go-to guy over at DC now for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I really got hooked on him with Superman and super sons. And uh, I really like his stuff on Batman. I'm detective right now. It is fantastic. Yeah. Even by the way, a one panel appearance by Batman's favorite uh, fake identity matches Malone. Right. Well, don't forget Tamazi was writing um, Batman and Robin which was really, really good, and did some deep diving into different stuff. It was fun. It was fun. I, I think they, they got a little screwed by New 52, sort of. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. some of the stories didn't make sense, but they kept going anyway. Right. So that was gave, sort of odd. Like the, yeah. 
Uh, I was going to say, I gave Detective 996, I gave it a four. I really enjoyed it. I'm with you. Uh, definitely a four. Great book. And that brings us to another book I know we're going to rave about a bit, Hawkman, number eight, written by Robert Venditti and art by Brian Hitch. I believe Hitch is also sort of co-writing this stuff, which is good. Um, in this issue, we get introduced to Kadar Ol, who is the Kryptonian Hawkman that we've been uh, having some um, little hints dropped about since the beginning of this current run. Uh, this was a great issue, and it takes place during the uh, sort of the moments leading up to Krypton's destruction. It was really well done. It was really well written. Not a lot of action, but it was a lot of a talk. It was a very talky issue, but it was well worth the price of admission. It was a very good issue. Oh, man. The, the just It was so nice to have a story set on Krypton, and it it seemed like, like my Krypton, the one I, I always enjoyed, you know, the, the green costumes and, you know, headbands and just, just Krypton as it should be. Uh, I like this. Katar all. I love the fact that that maybe the Hawkman mythology starts there. I, I love this ongoing mission now that that Hawkman has, and like a reason for his his reincarnations, and that's that's pretty fantastic. This book is doing everything right. I gave it a four point five. Yeah, I gave it a solid four, only because I don't like to do too many point fives. But yeah, definitely a solid four. This was a very good book. Agreed. And now we come to Justice League Dark, number seven, written by James Tinian IV, with art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Uh, I'm going to do this. Uh, usually I we have to wait until almost the end of the show before I give my pick of the week, but not this week. It's right here. This is my favorite book this week. It's, it's awesome, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the issue is broken up into some like very short little stories involving uh, different members of Just League Dark uh, interacting with other supernatural characters around the uh, DC Universe fighting the other kind. Um, we get Andrew Bennett from iVampire, who I actually like the, uh, the, the New 52 sort of revamp of him. I'm, I actually kind of dig him. Uh, yeah. Frankenstein, the, the Creature Commandos, Lucifer, uh, Zatara... And then, of course, a character that I really kind of always dig, Sargon the Sorcerer, uh, sending the Ruby of Life to uh, Man-Bat. And we get, man, we get plenty of Man-Bat talking to someone off-camera, I'm assuming the reader, um, as, as he basically leads into each story uh, and in between each story. It, it was such a good issue, such a, a different kind of issue. I loved it. I gave it a five. You know, I'm going to go with you on that five. Um, to each story... In this book, it does push the main story forward that they've been telling. But, yeah, at the right. same time, it almost it almost works as a standalone, you know? Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. I love this book. Loved it, loved it. I gave it a five. Not my book of the week, but it came close. Yeah, I mean, just like the Frank, the Frankenstein book. And, and, again, pure spoilers, folks. Uh, Frankenstein essentially, uh, like, in the span of just a few pages, they go on a mission with the Creature Commandos. They they go to stop this 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 plague of the other kind, and Frankenstein blows himself up essentially to save the day. All that was told in the span of like four pages or five pages. I mean, come on. Yeah, they they know how to tell a story. This book. Um, a yeah. question for you, Kirk, because I couldn't quite figure it out by the art itself. Um, yeah. I love the creature commandos. Um, the person who was in the the suit, like with a like a helmet, was that Medusa? Is is that Medusa or does she leave? 
Um, I didn't, I didn't see her at all, um, except the, the mummy, the, the, the vampire bat, and then the uh, the the like the creature from the Lagoon Girl. The I think that's the only ones I remember. Who else was there? I didn't remember anybody in a, a helmet. Yeah, there, there was. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember who it is. There was a big, funky-looking glass helmet. But uh, I didn't see Medusa, which kind of disappoints me because I always liked her in the Creature Commandos. Right. Well, this but is yeah, like this is a newer book. Commandos too. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Good book. Fantastic. My pick of the week. Uh, we're gonna probably get the jeans soon. I think. I'm guessing. Possible. Anyway, we then come to Scooby Apocalypse number 33, written by J.M. Demanius and Pat Olaf. Uh, here's the thing. I was going. I was looking for a sound effect that I know we have, but guess what? No one ever put it up on the board. I was going to unfortunately wow. use it for this issue, this uh, particular book. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Fred turns out to uh, be trying to warn the gang about the coming of the Nanite King, which is very cool since Fred is a, a you know dead. He's a zombie who's being kept alive by these Nanites. Uh, the the Scooby book is fantastic. The backup story this time around, though, this current backup story with Adam Ant has been one of the funnest things I've read in a long time. Adam Ant and Itty, uh, who's a Yay. little plant, are joining the, the Justice League. They've teamed up with the likes of Gnort and, and a whole bunch of other heroes. They're getting ready to team up with Superman, it looks like, coming up. But this particular story, they team up with the Adam, who is Ryan Choi. Um, it was good. It was fun. I love this book. I gave it a four. Gene? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on the four. Um, I love Eddie being the book. He, that's kind of a real deep dive. He was Green yeah. Lantern sidekick sort of for, for a while back yeah. in the day. It was, it was kind of a ridiculous thing. He was just this little plant that like hung out on, on Hal's shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I and love and him, he's though. been there for yeah. the last for the last handful of issues. Him and it was, yeah, it was I, him I, and Adam Ant who were joining at the same time. Yeah, I, I got to tell you. Um, Kurt's been on me to read this book, and I really haven't. And now I did. Like, and I actually had to go back and read some more of it because it was so good. Um, right. Yeah, this book is amazing. And and now, unfortunately, it's going away, as is all the Hannah Barbera stuff at DC. Which is really a shame because Scooby Apocalypse has been so strong. And then I have to admit, uh, I'm a big suck. I like I like weird art. I, I like weird artists and weird styles. But I'm also a big fan of guys like Butch Geis. And uh, yeah. we, we talk about, we talk about uh, um, what's his name all the time? I can't even think of his name now from uh, Fantastic Four, Ryan. Um, dang it. What's his name? Paul Ryan. Stegman? Oh, Paul Ryan. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. Paul Ryan, yeah, from, from Fantastic Four back in the day. Sure, sure. I, I like sort of very straightforward art. And Pat Olaf's art to me is just so good and so steady and so just panel after panel after panel. It's good, solid storytelling. So I was happy to see him come on this book, and I'm I'm yeah. sad now leaving. Yeah, it is kind of disappointing. Um, I but it looks like by reading this that they know it's ending already, right. so they they're they're beginning to wrap up the story, which at least you know at least they're going to have a proper ending. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to see that. I'm sad to see it go. Uh, but that brings us to the next book, and I'm only gonna I only have a little bit to talk about here. Suicide Squad number 50 came out by Rob Williams and German Peralta. Uh, this wraps up a storyline that was going on, I, in my opinion, way too long with these kind of 
uh, Russian characters, going back to some of the stuff that happened in the very early days of this current uh, incarnation of Suicide Squad. Um, here's my only complaint here. They have the main team. Uh, Rick Flagg faces some old uh, friends of his that have been brought back, uh, sort of facing his past. Um, but it's Suicide Squad, folks, and it's a big 50 issue, and you have this big slam-bang thing that happens at the end, and not a single character dies. Even like a not only death, that, you yeah. know someone's not coming only back. that, yeah, somebody oh, comes back. Ooh, I'm sorry, yeah, somebody comes back who is believed dead. So right. they have more members now than they did at the beginning of the issue. Uh, this right. book has not lived up to its name in quite some time. It, you know, it, you know what? Like that Atlanta story was good, and then this, yeah, it was just pretty not good. good. Yeah, uh, but I the, still, yeah, the series in general is not great. I don't think. Yeah, I, I gave it a two. The only reason I wanted to talk about it was because it's a 50th issue. You want to do something big. You want to have a big bang. I didn't like the story leading up to this, but I kind of liked the way they wrapped this story up. I liked the Rick Flagg stuff. But, man, you just didn't do anything, like, crazy. And it's Suicide Squad. You got I, – I hate to say it, but you do sometimes have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to kill off people. I mean, that's what the book's all about. Without that happening, and they they have this core group that they want to tell stories with, you know, Harley and and Croc and whatever. But and they're so attached to those characters, you don't realize you do need a a cast that changes often because that's 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 what Ostrander did. That's what worked. Even characters I liked, like when they killed off Doctor Light in the Ostrander series, it was an incredible story. So I could right. I could live with that. It was a good death, but just give us some of that, or and bring Bronze Tiger back for F's sake. Yeah, where's Ben? Where's Ben? Where's Ben? Wow, Ben, I can't speak today. <laughs> anyway, we move on now to Supergirl number twenty six, written by Mark Andreco, with the returning Kevin McGuire on the book. Uh, we get Harry Hokum. We get the Omega Men. Uh, we get the new. Uh, Kaluan, whose name I suddenly forgot, and uh, we looks like it looks like Harry Hokum is cloning a Kryptonian, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh, it was a good, fun story, good, fast-paced stuff, and the art, of course, Kevin McGuire, you can't go wrong with. What'd you give it, Gene? What do you got to say? I gave it a four. It was very close to being my book of the week. I do think, though, that the uh, the change in anchor every couple of pages made uh, Kevin's art a little inconsistent and not quite as good as it usually is. But that's just my opinion. It was a great issue, though. And Harry Hokum, I had to, like, try to remember, like, who the heck that was. But I knew he was familiar. Uh, he, right. he dates all the way back to the early days of Omega Man. He shared yeah. his logo's first appearance, actually. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I, I was thinking that he was, like, fourth world or something. I'm not sure why. Maybe he just has that weird fourth world kind of thing about oh, him. Look. Yeah, that costume. Yeah. Thing, yeah. And I'm, I'm happy that the uh, Omega Men were back. That's cool. Yeah, I, as someone who's a bit of a fan of, of a lot of the DC, besides Green Lantern, but a lot of the DC space stuff, like Legion and, and uh, Omega Men and Lobo, of course, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I'm very happy to see the Omega Men back, looking a little more sort of old schoolish, which I like too. And yeah. um, having Harry Hokum be the main villain so far in this story, I'm digging the hell out of it. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know, there, there is something, though, um, that I wanted to mention. And I, I was going to mention it with Hawkman, but it's just as good to mention it with Supergirl. 
Superhero is heading towards Krypton, right? That's her mission to go to Krypton. She trying to get clues she about, about that guy. She did last but, issue. But, she, she was there. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. She was there. So what now? I mean, what is she doing now? I'm not sure. Like she got something that led her to the next puzzle piece, but I'm not sure what that piece is. I'm not sure why she's still in space. Well, yeah, but she's still trying to find out the secrets behind Rogel Far or whatever his name is, and and what really uh, happened and everything else. Um, I'm just enjoying the ride. <laughs> I'm not questioning it too much right now. Yeah, it, it is really really fun. Um, and like I said, this was almost my book of the week. Right. Uh, that brings us to a book that uh, I'm going to talk about a bit because a character I mentioned a second ago actually appears in this book too. Superman number seven by Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Riaz. Uh, Brandon Peterson and Jason Fabuk actually all contributed to this book. Uh, it gives you John's story, a little bit of his story of what happened when he went with Jor-El and uh, some of the things that went on. Uh, we got a little more to find out, but it was interesting to see what's going on. Uh, by the end of it, John does reveal that he believes Jor-El is completely out of his mind, which is something I don't think anyone needed a, a 17-year-old kid now to tell you. Uh, but Lobo shows up, and that made my day. So I instantly gave the book one point more than I normally would have. I gave it a four instead of a three, just because of Lobo, because I'm a fanboy. Oh, really? Yeah, Lo- yeah. Lobo is pretty cool when he's used right. Um, this issue is good, but it, it just it's the um, typical Bendis pacing where not a lot happens in the issue, I think. I would like to see more of John's story, although I understand why they're stretching it out a bit. Um, right. I desperately dislike Jarrell being a bad guy. Like I hated when it was revealed he was Dr. Oz and uh, or Mr. Oz, whatever the hell it was. I, I didn't like that because Jarrell is one of my favorite characters. That sounds really weird, but he really is. And right. and I don't like to see him treated this way. And so I hope well, I hope it resolves where he's not yeah. insane. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll see we'll see where it goes from here. Um, there is a lot of explaining to do, especially since the uh, Mr. Oz character has been around now for uh, close to five years. Yeah. Since rebirth? Well, no, I, like three or four. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, he showed up in that um, that Rebirth special. Yeah. So yeah. we need an explanation. We should get it soon, let's hope. I doubt we will. But uh, yeah, we'll see. And like, I, like I said, John, John revealing that he thinks Jor El is out of his mind is kind of like, you know, really like the sad trombone, like wah wah wah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest. I would since John was gone for a long time. I mean, I know that like, they're doing the twelve issue series right now, like Adventures of Super Sons. I wouldn't mind seeing like a twelve issue John series that explains his time a, a little more detail than we're going to see in this grand book. Yeah, definitely. I could agree with you there. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. And then we move on to the last DC book that we're going to talk about for this week. Titans, number 33, by Dan Abnett and Bruno Redondo. Uh, it's a decent little issue. They're over there in that fantasy, uh, that fake fantasy world that the, uh, the, the old man with powers created from his writings. Um, they're looking for Raven's soul self, and it turns out that the... Uh, the super like bad elf guy who's running that world is making a deal with Mother Blood. Uh, we get Kyle and Gar making really lame dad Tolkien jokes. Um, and I think the best part about this book is we get a little bit of uh, Donna leading the team, which I've been raving about uh, every issue. I, I like the way they're treating her. And uh, we get a little bit of Kyle and Donna sort of being hinted about, which is something 
I am a huge fan of that relationship. Um, I still gave the book a three, and I wish we had a sound effect because there's some sad news with this book, too. Yes, the sad news that the book is going away. Just as they reached a stride where the book was getting really, really good, it's canceled. It's the curse of uh, Kyle Rayner, I think. <laughs> they put him They put him somewhere. He finds his path. You know, being with the Titans is a really good place for him. And then that book's going away, which really upsets me a lot. But uh, I, I am liking this book. I like that. I like that they're they're pulling from the previous issues with this D and D world. That that was something that I don't know, maybe like ten issues ago was it was the storyline. And I, I like the stuff with Raven's Soul Self. That's sort of interesting to me. Uh, and I hope they have time to wrap all this stuff up before the book goes bye bye. I yeah. gave it a three. All right. And that brings us to Marvel Comics. Uh, we'll do some quick shots here. We'll run through some books that we're only going to kind of briefly mention. Let's start with As Guardians of the Galaxy, number five, written by Colin Bunn, with art by Matteo Lolly. Uh, wraps up the story with Nebula, uh, with As Guardians beating her. It's kind of good, and it looks like it's leading to uh, them searching for Angela's uh, lover or girlfriend or, or whatever, uh, Sira. Um, I know that that character has a big, like, uh, demand and like an online, like petitioning almost where'd that character go. Um, it's a good thing. I like this book a lot. I'm enjoying it. I give it a three. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I really like Annabelle running around with a Nova helmet. That's pretty cool. Uh, I also like the new addition to the team, Urzul the dwarf. Um, yeah. I, I guess kind of modeled after the dwarf in the uh, the uh, movie, the Avengers Endgame movie. And that brings us to Black Panther, number eight, written by Tay Nahazi Coates, with Kev Walker doing the art, which was good. Um, this was kind of, I feel like, a little bit of a, 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 a bumper issue. Like, not a ton happens. You see T'Challa sort of uh, dealing with the fact that maybe he's, like, um, the weapon in this world. Um I like the stuff they're doing in Black Panther right now. It's fun. I gave it a two, though, because I it, I don't know. This issue just didn't grab me. Yeah, I don't like what they're doing in this book right now, especially because Black Panther is getting a, a lot more attention these days. It just got an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. And someone picked up this book, they're going to have no idea what's going on in the Black Panther world. You know, right. it, it's just it's weird. I'd like to see him back to Earth and being king again. And that brings us to Ironheart number two, written by Eve L. Ewing, with art by Lucino, Luciano Vecchio. The art's good. The story's decent. Um, she's, she's being portrayed very much as a straight, uh, you know, sort of like down-to-earth character. I like that. I still gave this issue a two. I wasn't super impressed with it. I gave it a three. Um, I, I don't understand why, with all the people around that she's, to, you know, like people that have mentored her and her friends. Why doesn't she reach out to them and help solve this problem? That's what I don't get. And that, that kind of make, that kind of annoys me because the champions can come in and fix that in one day. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, that it's a good book though. It is. That brings us to man without fear. Number three by Jed McKay and Ivan Coelho. Uh, this issue, the defenders, and that would be daredevil's defenders, uh, the Jessica Jones, iron fist and Luke Cage show up to sort of help him and actually get kind of ticked off at him and his stubbornness. 
Um, I still maintain that I think a villain is sort of behind the scenes. I gave this issue a three. I'm sort of enjoying this series. Yeah, I, I gave it a two. It's just not working for me. And that brings us to Return of Wolverine, number four, written by Charles Soule and art by Declan Shalvey. No offense against either one of those guys because I like both of them. This book uh, is just not doing it for me, and this was a waste of an issue, if you ask me. I gave it a one. Yep. I'm with you. That Next up is Spider-Man Deadpool, number 44, by Robbie Thompson and James, Jim Toe. Uh, Blastar shows up, and that made me happy. But then the rest of the book, I realized I was reading uh, this same book that just doesn't do it for me. I gave it a one. How's this book like 44 issues in? That's what I want to know. Um, know. Just cancel it. One. Star Wars Age of the Republic special number one. Well, it's a one shot. Uh, Mark Guggenheim, Jody Hauser. So there's some other people wrote uh, the stories in it and a handful of people did the art. I'm not going to go over everybody. Um, three short stories inside, one with Ayla Secura that was decent, one with Mace Windu that was decent, one with uh, Captain Rex and Jar Jar Binks that, in, that has a panel that I, I got to like somehow Photoshop out and put as Jack's profile pic. It's Jar Jar welding a lightsaber. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a decent little book. I like anthology stuff. The Star Wars stuff worked there. Uh, I still gave it a two, though. It, it it wasn't worth the price, if you ask me. I gave it a three and a half. Um, I will tell you, I love anthologies, as you do, and I love Mace Windu. Those are the reasons right. I read this book. And uh, I wasn't disappointed. It was it was fun. It was good stuff. And uh, I, I'm definitely I, – I dig – like when Star Wars was doing – was it Star Wars Tales? The yeah. really big book that was like, it was like five bucks back in the day before mm-hmm. books were, were that expensive. And but it was thick. It had a lot of stories in it, and, I, and I'd like to see a return to that because, as I said, anthologies are my jam. Right. And Kenny Xman, yeah. number ten. Uh, Matt Rosenberg, Ed Brisson, Kelly Thompson wrote it. Perey Perez did the art, and I gotta say, I, man, the art didn't. It just didn't do it for me this time. I usually like that that Perey Perez's art, but not this issue. Uh, X Man and uh, Legion get split up. Everything seems to be going maybe in the way of the good guys, and then all of a sudden, guess what? No more mutants happens, and the X-Men seem to be wiped out and gone and missing, except for Cyclops, who is ticked off and just hanging around. Uh, we got next issue to find out what's going to be happening from here. Uh, in, in Matt Rosenberg, Ed Brisson, and Kelly Thompson, I trust. They've been doing some good stuff, uh, especially Mr. Rosenberg, who I I, I Occasionally tweet how much I love him and I grovel at his feet. Um, I still gave the issue a two, so there we go. I like Uncanny X Men, like the the concept, and I like every person on the creative team. But this yeah. is a horrible book. I want it to stop. Please make it stop, Curtis. I'm giving it's it for one. To it's getting ready to yeah, stop. Good. Don't worry. Venom, number 10, written by Donnie Cates, with art by Ryan Stegman. Blah, 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 blah. We find out that this past story where it looked like Eddie Brock was hit by a car. Turns out Eddie Brock's the one who hits a kid with a car. We get some backstory on Eddie. I'm not a Venom fan, so don't be surprised when I give this book a two, because I did. I I gave it a two also. Um, Venom should be filled with action. Uh, It should be a bad action movie every single issue. That's what people who love Venom want. Uh, and that's the kind of Venom story I'd like to read. But this is just a lot of uh, just a lot of unnecessary backstory and 
just blah blah blah. Go just stop her, Donnie. I know you're and good. That brings- I know Donnie Cates is good. Yeah, Redneck is a very good book. Anyway, uh, that brings us back to something we're going stuff we're gonna talk about a tiny bit more. Amazing Spider-Man number thirteen came out by Nick. I can write Spider-Man better than anyone else right now, Spencer and Ryan <laughs> Otley. Uh, we get a story continuing on where J. Jonah Jameson is dealing with clearly people who are after him for all the screw-up things he's done over the time, especially when it comes to hiring people to kill Spider-Man. Uh, we find out it's Big Man, Big Man Jr., essentially pulling the strings, going after J. Jonah Jameson for ruining his family and everything else. Uh, it's a good little story. I really, really enjoyed it. The cover was great of this issue. I'm not really, like, super cover guy, but the cover was fun. Uh, and yeah. then we get the end of the book with a group of villains who are being locked up and someone doing something with the villains. And guess who's there, folks? It's Tarantula. It's Cobra. It's Vulture. And it's Stegron. And I wrote down, Stegron, woot, woot. <laughs> and also, the, the person kidnapping these villains, the people... It's Taskmaster and his good friend, Eric O'Grady's clone, the Black Ant. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah, and they're both douchebags, and I like that a lot, because as they're abducting Scorpion, I believe they're talking about, like, a TV or something. I don't remember what it was that they were talking about, but, yeah, they're being a pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I got to tell you, I I was a little, like, the Eric O'Grady story in Secret Avengers, they finally redeemed the character a little bit, and then they killed him off. And I'm okay with that because, you know, we got Scott back and stuff. But uh, I love this issue. Plus the deep dive with Big Man. Um, Frederick Foswell Jr. like telling this completely off story about the bad things Jonah did. When, in fact, you know, Fred was the original crime master. So he wasn't a good guy. Let's, let's just get that out of the way right there. But um, I love this this pull for the classic villains that we're seeing. Um going really deep and giving us the villains that maybe some other people wouldn't do so much with. Uh, I look forward to Big Wheel eventually showing up in the book. <laughs> I, gave, I, I gave this a 4.5. I'll let that 4.5 stand. Uh, I gave it, I, I don't, I'm not a big 0.5 guy, but I'll let it stand. This book deserves a 4.5. Yeah, so uh, good. With that being said, Gene, who gives me a list of the books he wants to talk about at, before we do this show every time, he always mentions a book that I always question why. And here's the one that this week I'm questioning. Uh, Black Widow, number one, by Jen and Sylvia Soska, with art by Flaviano. Uh, Black Flaviano. Widow. The art's not bad. Black Widow is back. Uh, she's doing things her way as always, and uh, she ends up in Madripoor, which is cool. I like Madripoor sometimes. Uh, but, Gene, go ahead. You're the one who wanted to talk about it, and I'll let your rating stand because it's it's definitely better than mine. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I, I like this Black Widow, uh, but if she's going to, like, pretend to be a lo- dead still, which I'm not sure why she's doing, uh, maybe she should get a costume with a full face mask. Uh, right. Instead, she does the the... Instead, she does the bird box challenge throughout the issue, fighting ninjas with a blindfold on for, for yeah. no real reason. Uh, but I, once she gets to Madripoor, yes, she did. Once she got to Madripoor, I dug it. I like the idea of her staying there for a while. I hope that's the the headquarters for this book. Uh, and that's what kind of got me a little bit excited about this. And I like all okay. the cat stuff. I really do. I thought it was a solid book. I definitely give it a three. And uh, I look forward to more. Sweet. 
Nothing else needs to be said about that. Conan the Barbarian, number two, written by Jason Aaron with art by Mahmoud Azra. Azrar. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, bud, but you are awesome. Your stuff's good. Uh, this was a really hmm. good side story. I thought this would continue on directly from the last issue, but it didn't. It actually went and did a whole a whole other story that sort of is barely tied into the main story, but I'm not complaining. It was a fantastic story of Conan uh, first fighting and then hanging out with the Picks, which are characters from uh, Robert Jordan's stuff that you don't always see that much. That was really great. Fighting a bunch of ghost snakes, which was cool, because why not? And uh, it was good, <laughs> fun stuff. Good, solid Conan. If, if if you complain that books or the comics are sometimes a little too wordy, avoid this book. But if you're someone who appreciates a story and actually can read above a fourth grade level, read this book. Absolutely. This is, and, and this is hard for me to say, but it, it surpasses the Dark Horse stuff, which I absolutely loved. Wow. Um yeah, I think I think this book so far is is as good as the original Roy Thomas Marvel stuff, and it's, for me that's that's high praise. Um, yeah. I also like very much the backup story by John oh, Hawking. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if they're going to collect that as a whole once they're done with the twelve chapters, or how it's going to be like how it's going to be released. I don't know if it'll be at the end of the Conan trade or what, but uh, I, I like hope. I like the text stories in there. Yeah, me too. Or maybe he could get his own thing. Yeah, its own little book. I would love that. Marvel's been doing some different stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, the other Conan books are fast approaching. Uh, they're coming soon for a total of three books, which is kind of mm-hmm. funky, but whatever. Jason Aaron, I give Jason Aaron a lot of crap on some of his Marvel stuff, but this book is absolutely a five for me. And again, was almost my book of the week. Yeah. I'll let that stand. I, 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 as much as I say I don't like to give things point fives, I gave this a four point five. But I'll let the five stand. It very much deserves the attention it's getting. It's a fantastic book. Sure thing. Uh, fantastic Four number six came out. Dan Slott wrote it. Aaron Cooter, who I love, did the art on it. Doctor Doom is fighting Galactus, who has come to Latveria, and uh, he's hired former Nickelodeon star Victorious. To be his uh, <laughs> his, uh, <laughs> his sidekick or whatever he's given the power cosmic to. I don't. I, I I really don't like the name. I don't like the costume, but whatever. Uh, the book was fun. It was decent. Dan Slott's a great writer and good dialogue. Aaron Cooter's a great artist. Uh, Gene, go ahead. You take it. I'm with you. The creative team is is great. They're doing great work on the SF right now. I'm even getting used to like read with the beard. I kind of like it now. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I knew right away when Doom gave the power cosmic or some kind of power to this Victorious, I knew it was a setup. Something bad is going to happen to her soon because all Dr. Doom wants for himself is power. So if he's giving that power away to somebody else, there's a damn good reason for it, and we start to see that in this issue. Um, You you think it's Doom's ego at work, but everything that's happening seems to be all part of Doom's major plan, whatever that is. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I, I like to see Galactus come back. That's always that's always fun. Um, I like that. I like the way Slot is using um, Doom's magic and his tech, which hasn't really been done since Mark Wade was on the book. I really like uh, that combination. It makes. Hmm? I, did you, you didn't read the Superior Iron Man or not the Superior the other Iron Man series where Doom was Iron Man? Did you? 
Oh, no, I did not read that book. Does, okay. does he do that okay. in there? He does. He still uses some magic and stuff here and there. Okay, but I like that about Doom. It's kind of neat. Um, and I'm definitely, I, I like everything about this book. Yeah. What'd you give yeah, it? it uh, I gave it a four. All right, well, Circle gets a square. I'm going to mix things up. Usually we go in alphabetical order, but I'm going to go in a different order slightly for a, a reason which I will reveal in a minute. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents is back, and it got a number one issue this week. Three stories inside of it. Uh, Charles Soule and pa- Paulo Segura did a Wolverine World War II story that was decent, and Nascenti did a story with Greg Land doing the art of Captain America, sort of just uh, hanging around... I'm assuming like the Midwest or something. He meets a young girl. He kind of helps out a family. Um, That was pretty good. And then Greg Pack and Tom Coker did a Namor story set during World War II as well, uh, with Namor sort of learning the way that man is and just uh, trying at one point to help and then trying at one point to uh, stop the insanity of uh, dropping a bomb on Nagasaki. Um, I, I think the Namor story, I'm a sucker for a good Namor story. I love it. I thought that one blew me away, no pun intended. The other two were really good. This was a very solid book. I gave it a, a good rating. Let's hear it from Gene, though, first. Yeah, again, another anthology, so I'm happy. Uh, going into it, I was like, all right, let's see what this is all about. Uh, the Namor story, it, like, it was like a punch in the face. It was so good. I, yeah. like, him dealing with the with the nuclear bombs coming down and, just being devastated by it, like like emotionally, is right. something I never thought about. It's so cool, and to make that his reason for having like left and gone back into the ocean, it was terrific. I love that. Um, the cap story is the kind of cap story that I like. I like cap yeah. stories that are small. Um, you know, caps helping out an individual because that's kind of what I think he's best at. You know, it's great when he's fighting with the Avengers against the Masters of Evil. But when he's fighting just like, you know, normal, everyday stuff, I think that's a strong cap. And I love this story. And even the Wolverine story was, was fun. It was cool. Um, this book is an absolute five for me. Yeah. I, I as, as well, this was almost my book of the week. Uh, that Namor story in particular was a gut punch. The cap story was great because I love cap on the motorcycle. And, and I'm not yeah. usually always like, I'm not, I'm not a super sucker for good art. And Greg Land, sometimes I think Greg Land's art is like, it's great, it's really nice, but sometimes it looks the same. This issue, it was bright, it was fun. I really like this issue, and I think his art in particular, this issue, was fantastic in a, in a short story format. Agreed. The, everything's good about this book. The Return of Marvel Comics Presents, I'm so excited. Uh, and, yeah. you know, to, um, to match it, another return that's coming up in a few months is uh, Mar- Marvel Team-Up. Really, this is part of Marvel's 80th anniversary uh, stuff they're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that leads us to Invaders number one by Chip Zdarsky. Carlos Magno did some of the art, as well as a guy I mentioned earlier and a guy I love, Butch Geist. Um, the story does revolve around some of the stuff spilling out of Avengers, which I like because I think it works better here. Uh, Cap and Jim Hammond and even by the end of it Winter Soldiers being recruited to possibly go and try to uh, talk to Namor and figure out what what's going on, like what's the issue uh, why is he doing the things he's doing, why is he sort of leading this crusade against the surface world all of a sudden uh, we also see Namor recruiting more people in Atlantis in the oceans 
I shouldn't say Atlantis, but more, recruiting more people to Atlantis from within the seven seas uh, and doing it in some relatively vicious ways, trying to recruit people. Um, he's becoming a bit of a despot, and I like it. Uh, at the same time, we get Jim Hammond finding out some backstory on Namor, including he finds a picture of when Namor was uh, missing uh, with Namor and Charles Xavier, which was strange, and I'm curious to see where that leads. Overall, I love this book a lot. Uh, I gave it a good rating, Gene. Yeah, I, I would tell you right now, this is another five for me. It, it, an incredible week for books. I really love the thing I like most about this book uh, is the every character is treated really, really well. The, the yeah. bit that um, the Human Torch is programmed to have memory like a human, where he forgets stuff that's you know long past. I love that. That's such a great thing, and that's I, I, this book is just this book is amazing. This, this book was so close to being my book of the week. So close. Yeah. Um, and I, I was wondering, like, how the Namor stuff was going to be dealt with in an Invaders book. And I like the fact they're heading for it head on. Uh, Chip Zdarsky is my go-to guy over at Marvel these days. Uh, he is amazing. His stuff is really, really good. I trust him with anything he does. And uh, this is a great Invaders book. I love it. Sweet. I agree with you. I, I was very surprised. We were both dreading this book like a week or two ago, talking about it, thinking like, oh, this might not be that good. This could suck. Man, was it. It surprised the hell out of me. And me as well. And now we head to everything else that not Marvel and DC. We start with Aftershock Comics, Walk Through Hell, number seven, written by Garth Ennis with art by Goran Sadzuka. I can't really explain this book to you. Uh, I will try to. Two FBI agents enter a warehouse where other uh, agents and police have headed into looking for a suspect. They soon find out that they may actually be walking through, well, limbo or hell because they find these hellish scenes inside and they can't find their way out and they're reliving some of their past sins. Um, it's an incredibly good book. Something Ennis writes that is not just pure blood and gore every single issue or gunplay and battle. This actually is really kind of a thinking book. There's a lot of character there. There's a lot of story there, a lot of heart there. Uh, I, I highly recommend people check it out. I gave this issue a three. Um, the only thing I complain about is it, it's taken a while to sort of unravel, but I'm enjoying the ride, as I've said before this episode already. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Garth Ennis, this is like the early Garth Ennis that I really like. Uh, you know, there's always a religious theme going on. And there is some discussion, though, at the beginning of the book, which very much seems to be um, Ennis's take on the state of America, uh, American yeah. politics, and, uh, and online conversations. Uh, and I think that's kind of neat. Um, you know, it's wordy. It's very wordy. And, again, yeah. if you don't like that, you're not going to like this book. But uh, this is the good Garth Ennis, not the, the crazy one trying to be as nutty as possible. This is the guy that really wants to tell a good story with good characters, and he does. And I, I absolutely love this book. I'd give it a four. All right. And now we move on to Ahoy Comics, which brings us Captain Ginger, number four, written by Stuart Moore with art by June Brigman. Uh, we get the, well, we get Captain Ginger. We get Patches. They're out there doing some stuff. Uh, they find another crewmate on a ship. At the same time, the cats uh, seem to evolve. Uh, they use some sort of uh, device left over from the feeders, which were the humans. They evolve, almost like cosmically evolve, a uh, kitten uh, whose name is Precious. 
who has a gigantic head now floating around. Um, it, it, this book is so crazy. It's a bunch of cats <laughs> in space who are human-like, uh, anthropomorphic cats uh, who have evolved and now moved away from Earth and are searching for something. Um, man, it, it, it like when I saw the concept of this, I rolled my eyes and I went like, oh, my God, what is this? Now I, right. I can't I, – I look forward to every issue. Yeah, this, this book is um, – to me, it seems like uh, half Star Trek, half original Battlestar Galactica with cats. And that's, that's fantastic for me. Uh, here's the thing. And this issue goes full on where no, no man has gone before. Uh, you know, the, the, the hyper-evolved being showing up and being one of their friends. And this is about a Star Trek you have it gets. And I yeah. love it, love it, love it. Unfortunately, this is the end of season one of um, Captain Ginger. Captain 2 has been greenlit, but we don't have any dates for it yet. So it's going to be a while before we see, we see another issue of this. But uh, I can't wait. I love the book. This is a four. But it did. Definite four. It, mm-hmm. Definite four. It did leave us with a cliffhanger. And hey, guess what? There are some dogs out there in space as well. That's the cliffhanger. <laughs> of bum, bum, yes. bum. Uh, And bum, they look bum, like bum. they're also evolved. Just, yeah, just based on their clothing and stuff, they look like they might be pirates of some sort or something. Uh, we'll see. I'm 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 looking forward to volume two of this book. <laughs> Me too. It's really fun. It's a blast. Speaking of books, I look forward to every single issue. Uh, Boom Studios brings brings us Black Badge number six, written by Matt Kent, with art by Tyler Jenkins. Uh, the Black Badges are still dealing with the Rainbow Jamboree as they go against all a, a whole bunch of other groups of uh, secret badge groups, uh, sort of in like a Hunger Games-style uh, competition. In this book, we get the backstory of the Pink Badges, which are sort of the uh, secret society or secret services or special forces of the Girl Scouts, which is fun. They uh, they tend to use cookies as weapons constantly in different ways. Um, <laughs> And then we get the rug pulled out from under us as we find out a big secret about one of the members of the Black Badges, which I did not see coming. <laughs> and it, ha- no. it comes out there. It, and I had to look twice I, uh, to see what was going on. You know, yeah. I was like, huh? Why is he wearing a, you know, I don't want to get it. I don't want to spoil it, I think. Yeah. I think I want to keep that, keep that to ourselves and let people read it. But uh, yeah, read I it. love the Pink Badges, and I expect to see a Pink Badge book out there very soon. Yeah. That would be nice. I will say this. This is a five for me. This was close to my book of the week. Uh, I highly recommend Black Badges. I think everyone and anyone who likes comics, who loves good stories, uh, should go read this. This is a fantastically good book. Uh, And totally, again, another book, when I read the synopsis of it, I kind of rolled my eyes and went like, "Eh, okay, whatever. And man, every issue. Yeah, the first issue of me and I've, Get, getting more and more like falling in love with this book. I even mention it on my social media every once in a while just to see if anyone's reading it. And uh, right. it's frustrating to me that not too many people are. Uh, and yeah. I really hope this book gets more notice uh, coming up. It deserves it. Uh, yeah, and I, I'll, I'll let your – I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you you finish. I was just going to say your, your rating will stand with me. I agree. Oh, okay. I, you know what? I was being a total dick. I didn't care. I, was, <laughs> I gave it a five. Yeah, uh, Dark Horse Comics brought us Death Orb number four, uh, written by Ryan Ferrier with art by Alejandro Aragon, uh, sort of a post-apocalyptic story. 
it's decent. It's fun. The art is okay. I like it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's just the whole book is not grabbing me yet. Maybe when it's completed, I'll actually dig it more. I gave it a two, this particular issue. My only note on this book is massive meh. I don't care. Uh, I don't care about this book in the least or anything going on in it. I give it a one. Ouch. Uh, Dynamite uh, Comics brings us a book that I refuse to read because it's not my Battlestar Galactica. It's Battlestar Galactica Classic, number three, which Gene read, and he wants to talk about. Gene, go ahead. I do. Now, here's the thing. Um, I didn't read issues one and two for a very specific reason, and that is that this looks like it's just a reprint of the Marvel stuff. Um, yeah, you know, you have the covers that look very Marvel-esque. Uh, turns <laughs> out, guess what? It's not. It's new stuff. Um, oh, and really? That's I to coincide. That. Yes, new stuff. Uh, to coincide with the 40th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, right. It's really good. Uh, the writer is John Jackson Miller. And yeah. Does Daniel, a lot of good Daniel, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and he, he did some Halo stuff, too, I believe. Uh, Daniel HDR is the artist with Marcio Fiorato. Basically, the story follows um, an alliance between um, the Alaska people and the Okati. And they're trying to uh, have an alliance against these bad guys that are called the Comitat. Um, Apollo is captured by the Comitat. Um, Baltar, it turns out, actually is uh, working with the Okadi, and it was a big trap for Galactica, which they fell right into. Uh, so right. that's kind of neat. Um, the art, it, it's very much, you know, uh, Galactica. It's really, really good. Uh, the characters are all very much themselves. I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, I have to go back and read the first two issues. Uh, like I said, they're, they're not doing a good job of telling us this is a brand-new story. Right. But I still liked it, and guess what? It's my book of the week. I gave it a four. <laughs> okay, cool. I was I was ple- I was so pleasantly surprised that this was a new book telling new stories that wasn't terrible. Because the only other, except for the Marvel book, uh, the only Galactica book that I remember was when Rob Liefeld attempted to uh, revive the franchise a number of years ago. I think there's been a few others, but yeah, I I to be completely honest, I 100% thought this was uh, this was reprint stuff. So that's why I didn't even yeah. like give it a, a chance because it's called Battlestar Galactic classic so i was like okay well, yeah and the covers even evoke like the old marvel comics with like the strike right. where it says instead right. of marvel comics it's dynamite right yeah i started looking through it so like oh this might be fun because i love the old book and i'm flipping through it it took me about three pages to be like hold on a minute this is, is not the old book and i confirmed that and i was like yeah okay that's cool well there it goes i didn't do my uh my research gene's book of the week battles are galactic yay classic. Uh, that brings us to another Dynamite comic that I read instead of Battlestar Galactica Classic, Elvira, Mistress of Darkness, number four. Uh, David <laughs> Avalbu wrote it. Dave Acosta drew it. It's Elvira. I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, she's okay. It's not good in comic form, if you ask me. I said blah. I give it a one. She should be um, like the Crypt Keeper, telling stories, yeah. uh, not being an adventurer herself. Um and she's breaking the fourth wall and, you know, being all silly. And I, I have enough of that in other books. I gave it a one as well. And that brings us to James Bond Origin, number five, written by Jeff Parker with art by Bob Q. Uh, James Bond and his mates, uh, they use a Stuka, a German aircraft 
to go and attack a German U-boat. It's some good fun stuff. Uh, and then at, by the end of it, James looks like he's getting maybe a big undercover mission coming up. Um, I'm really digging this James Bond origin book. I thought it started off kind of slow in the first issue or two, but it's it's taken off since then. It's one of my books I look forward to very much every week. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, the aerial stuff uh, versus the submarine was really cool. Uh, it was neat, and it showed that James Bond is not the guy he becomes yet. Uh, he's still working on it. He's right. trying to get there. Um, he, you know, he's very clever and resourceful, but he just doesn't have a knowledge that he'll pick up in uh, in this book, actually. Uh, I love this book a lot, though. Uh, I'm sort of a James Bond fan, but not a huge one. Like, I like yeah. good James Bond stuff, I guess. And there haven't been a whole lot of comics that have been great. Um, I give this a four. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, Circle gets a square on that one. We now move to IDW Comics. Dick Tracy, Dead or Alive, number three, written by Lee and Mike Allred, with art by Rich Tomazzo. Uh, this has been pretty fun so far for three issues. I'm digging it. Um, it's starting to maybe stretch a little bit for me, but I'm liking it. Gene, I know you. I don't think you've talked about this book yet, so go ahead. You do it. I haven't. And you know what? I really, really like it. Uh, in this book, Tracy has been framed uh, for the commissioner's murder. So he's running around uh, in, in disguise. What I love in this book is there's a scene where he has to go somewhere in, in a disguise. His disguise is just a fake mustache. He's still wearing right. the bright yellow <laughs> trench coat and, and the hat. And even one person's like, hey, look at that guy dressed up like Dick Tracy. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's funny, and, and I like that Tracy won't shoot cops, but he has no problem shooting a, a bad guy right through the head, right. which, is, which is shown right on, on screen, sort of, kind of. Uh, but it, yeah. it does definitely evoke the Dick Tracy comic strips. Uh, the Allwards are pretty fantastic here. Um, I, I'm, I really like it, because I remember reading the strip in, in gosh, the, the New York Daily News uh, every, every day, and... Uh, this is kind of like that. I'm liking it a whole lot. All right. What'd you give it? I gave it a four. Oh, okay. I'll let your four stand there. Uh, we moved to Ghostbusters 2020, which Gene wanted to talk about. And again, another book that surprised me you wanted to talk about. Uh, Eric Burnham Actually, wrote it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dan Schoening drew it. Gene, go ahead. The only reason that I'm bringing this book up uh, is because this is actually the beginning of a, a massive IDW crossover thing, which I didn't right. know until I read the letters page of this book. Uh, IDW 2020 is taking uh, their books and showing us what what it will be like 20 years later. Yes, um, there is one I'm looking forward to very much. Uh, and it's actually, it, well, here's the thing. It's not 20 years later. It's, it, it could be 20 years in the past. It could be 20 years in the future is the whole concept. Uh, there is one coming up. Go ahead, uh, give your review of Ghostbusters first, and then we'll talk about the one that I'm very excited about because I think I'm okay. a very big fan of, and I don't know if you are, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, like I said, the only reason I really brought up the book was because it was the beginning of a crossover, and that's something uh, that we strive to to cover on the show. Uh, I didn't yeah. really like this issue much, though. The characters weren't compelling. <laughs> the story really wasn't compelling. Uh, yeah. Like I said, only because it was a crossover did I even bring it up. I give it a two. Yeah, it does take place twenty in the future. Twenty years in the future, the Sanctum of Slime characters, which are the characters that are in there, have already been introduced. I believe they're from a video game initially, but they've also done some stories with them. 
the only thing I really liked about this issue in particular was my favorite Carpathian, uh, Vigo. The Carpathian shows up <laughs> at some point, and you know I love Vigo. Oh, Vigo. Vigo. So, so uh, does Jack Graziano. Yeah, so does Jack. Um, the the 20, 2020 book that I'm looking forward to most from IDW is uh, Star Trek 2020, which is a uh, Captain Picard oh. Stargazer story. No and way. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the Stargazer books and stuff. I like them a lot. And here's the oh. kicker. Here's, here's what makes you instantly put your money down for this book. It's written by Peter David. So there you Holy go. Holy crap. Peter David's back on Star Trek? So... Yeah, done. There, take my money. Uh, that's coming no one up has soon. written Star Trek as well. It, mm, yeah, he he is one of my favorites, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big fan of the Stargazer stuff. I really love the Stargazer novels uh, series, and I'm a big fan of Picard. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, that we move ahead to Judge Dread Toxic number three, written by Paul Jenkins with art by Marco Castillo, or Castile. I don't know. Uh, basically, Judge Dredd's dealing with some aliens that are in the uh, sort of, well, they're in sort of the toxic back sewage of uh, Mega City One and a bunch of anti-alien sentiment that's being ruffled up inside of the city uh, and a very much character who resembles a certain uh, high-ranking politician of the present day. Um, if you are easily offended <laughs> by things that just you don't agree with because you don't like the MSM or whatever, don't read this book. Other than that, I gave it a three. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, it was good seeing a lot of Judge Anderson in this issue. Uh, yeah. At one point, she has to c- communicate uh, psychically with the creatures Yeah, that they're kind of hunting down. Uh, and she finds out that they're not really bad. Uh, but Judge Dredd doesn't care. Right. It's basically, it's Dredd Anderson... And another guy who may as well be wearing a red shirt because uh, I don't think he's going to survive this story. I forget the guy's name, but I actually like him. The guy, the the drudge with the beard. Yeah, I dig him. Yeah, I think they're. I think I think you're right though. They might be building him up, making him likable, only to off him in the end somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm only sure of it, but it's it's a good issue. I liked it a lot. Um, it's everything a dread book should be. Everything. Um, even yeah. even like the the sinister, the underneath uh, political stuff. That's fine. But yeah. the greatest thing of all is that Dread doesn't care. He it's the law. Nothing about the law. That's all he cares about. He is the right. Joe Friday of Ma- Mega City One. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to Star Trek versus Transformers number four. John Barber, Mike Johnson wrote it. Philip Murphy drew it. Uh, we get a mega, what is it, Fortress Tiberius fighting uh, Trypticon, which is fantastic. We get plenty yeah. of Klingon action. We get plenty of Kirk action. A uh, whole lot's going on. Two Enterprises, because, you know, you got Fortress Tiberius transforming. Uh, good fun stuff. And on top of it, to really put the the cherry on top, Starscream is a total douchebag, runs away in the <laughs> middle of the battle. <laughs> And head the Kronos, where it looks like he thinks he's going to rule. Uh, I love that. I gave it a four because of that, mostly because I love Starscream. I love uh, Weasley Jerkwad characters, and he is at the top. Uh, Star- Starscream is maybe my second favorite Transformer. I love him a lot, um, and I love yeah when he goes to leave. 
I'm j- I was actually laughing out loud. Uh, and I was like, this is what Scar- Starscream does best, is run away when things start going bad. And I, and I love that. I like even more that he's going to be the problem for next issue. Um, right. Him trying to take over the Klingons. And the, the Enterprise is in a weird position of having to uh, help out the Klingons. So I love, I, I'm really digging this. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, it's the cartoon, um, the, the 86 movie, basically, Transformers, right? And, right. Or the animated, and then the old classic Star Trek cartoon. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're seeing characters like Morass and Eric's on board the Enterprise, and uh, it's really, really good. I, I give it a four. Yeah, I'll, 100%. Uh, that brings us to Transformers Historia, number one. Uh, basically, this isn't really so much a comic. This is IDW sort of streamlining and giving you a complete comprehensive history of the Transformer books before they introduce and relaunch uh, their Transformer line. Um, I read most of it. I didn't read all of it. I'm not the bit world's biggest Transformer fan. It's decent. Uh-huh. I'm going to recommend it to Engineer Jack once he gets out of Chinese prison. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a – it's a decent. I gave it a two. Yeah, if you are a fan of uh, of Transformers, it's a good book to have. Uh, also, if you're back in the 80s, Marvel did a book called Marvel Saga. Uh, this yeah. is essentially that. Um, so if you right. like Marvel okay. Saga, go pick this up. Uh, I, I gave it all your two stands. I, I'm not a Transformers guy myself. And that brings us to Image Comics and a slew of fantastic books from them, starting with Burnouts, number five, written by Dennis Culver, with art by Gioffo, or Jeffo. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but I'm going to say Gioffo, because it's a G-E-O-F-F-O. Um, it sounds, it, it's fun to say that. Gioffo. Yeah, it's like when Jeff Johns first came on the scene, and we were working at the comic store, and we used to call him Geoff Johns all the time. <laughs> we, were, we were jerk off. <laughs> you, you, you remember that? Because custom, customers would look at us like we were out of our minds. <laughs> I um, do. Good times. <laughs> anyway, uh, burnouts. I'm going to explain it really quick. Uh, a group of kids in this small town, they realize when they get high, they can see the aliens that are possessing people in the town, and then they have to beat the crap out of the person to knock the alien out and uh, make it pop. Um it has taken a weird turn where even some of the their friends have been possessed. They've tried to get them out, and then all of a sudden this book takes an extremely dark turn as uh, people die. I didn't expect that in a book that I thought was relatively light. Um, I'm enjoying the hell out of this book. I really recommend it to people. Uh, this one came out of left field for me, too. I give this issue a four. Check it out. It's, it's worth it. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna let your 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 rating stand because I don't I don't enjoy this book nearly as much as you do. Although I like the fact that the taser seems to take these creatures out of people's bodies. That was kind of neat. But yeah. uh, other than that, I'm not I'm not thrilled with this book. Okay, and then that brings us to Days of Hate number twelve, written by Ailes Cott, with art by Daniel Zozels. Anyway, his art's it's very recognizable. You'll you'll know it right away if you're a, a longtime comic fan. Anyway. Uh, Days of Hate takes place, I believe, in 2022, uh, what I would refer to as a post-apocalyptic world, but it's not. It's basically like the alt-right has taken over America and won, uh, and so everything sort of changed and gone the worst way that I think people could imagine it going at this day and age. Um, That's led by these very left-wing terrorists who are making decisions. This was a very subtle and um, 
low-key issue, I'll say. Nothing major happened, but we deal with a lot of character stuff with one of the main characters. I like it a lot. I think the series is really good. I think it's a really underrated uh, book right now because I don't hear too many people talk about it. Um, maybe it's because it's political... also over. I think it is over. I think this was the last issue, and that's the reason I gave it a two because if this is the last issue, and I'm, I think it is, uh, it was kind of a weird like ending. Right. It kind of, it's a non-ending. Yeah, and I wasn't and, uh, yeah. super happy with that. Yeah, I'm going to let your two stand. Um, one thing I thought was fantastic is that like half of this book, the first half almost, there's no no dialogue at all, none whatsoever. Um, it, it's almost ten pages of that, but it it works because the character is going about their business, and then when he does, when the main character does talk, it has impact. Yeah, and they they more than make up for the lack of talking in the in the next ten pages. <laughs> yeah, this book is a lot of like one person. Uh, it's like just like spouting exposition to the other character. Yeah, there's a ton of that going on, and not much else. Um, again, yeah, if this is the last issue, I'm a little upset. I, right. I, I'm hoping for more. Yeah, definitely, it's been good so far, and uh, hopefully in trade form, it might read better. But uh, yeah, it's a good book. Uh, maybe the political stuff is not for everyone, so I would probably warn you away from it if you if you don't want your politics and comics. I can understand. Um, but yeah, check it out. Ailes Cott has done some great stuff. Daniel Zelgels, I, I wish I could pronounce his name because I've loved his art for a long time. He's done Marvel stuff in the past, really good stuff. Um, good stuff. I get, yeah, I, I, two is just the way I got to do it. Anyway, enough yammering. I don't know why I'm doing it. Deadly Class <laughs> number 36 is back with Rick Remender writing it, Wes Craig doing the art. It's not necessarily, here's the reason I'm going to give this book only a three when it probably deserved a tiny bit more. Uh, I wasn't reading comics for a long time. I was actually picking up trades here and there, usually from the library. Deadly Class was one that caught my eye because I'm a big fan of Remender. Uh, that as well as Low, which is another book Remender wrote. Um, uh, Deadly Class is fun. It's good. It just got a series on sci-fi. I would highly recommend people go check out that first episode. It's really good, really fun, kind of sticks to the comic in a pretty decent way. Uh, you would hope this issue that comes out co coinciding with the same week of the, the, the TV series would sort of be an entry point. It's not so much. That's the reason I'm going to just give it a little bit of a lower grading. I'll give it a three, um, but it's worth checking out. Deadly Class is fantastic. Yeah, three is fine. Um, Remender never failed me. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe the end, end of his Uncanny Avengers run, that would be about it. But um, he's a really, really good writer. Uh, his Secret Avengers might be some of my favorite stuff that I've read in like at Marvel for years before that. Um, this, is a, this is a decent book. But go, do yourself a favor and go back and start from issue one. Uh, right. If you are like watching this series now and you become interested... Go back and buy the trade paperback. That's probably your best bet. Uh, the first trade paperback and see what you think. Yeah, it, it will spoil some stuff in the show because it looks like the show is leaning in the same direction as the comic, I'm assuming. Uh, but So you'll get spoiled if you read ahead. You'll find out some, some things about characters and stuff. But whatever. It's worth reading. I always say go read the source material eventually at some point. Uh, so there you go. Gideon Falls, Absolutely. number two. 
Gideon Falls number 10 came out. Jeff Lemire wrote it. Andrea Sorrentino drew it. This book continues to just go up and down with me, and I still maintain that this is a fantastic book. And once I read it, maybe in a trade form straight through, I'm going to appreciate it more. Um, It's very much a Stephen King-esque story that plays with time and dimension and even space. I like it a lot. Um, I can't really explain it. There's a black barn, and it exists in different places. And these characters are trying to figure out the mysteries behind it and why death surrounds it. Uh, I would highly recommend it. The art lends itself to the story exceptionally well. Uh, It's a 4.5 for me, almost a near 5, this issue in particular, because everything's starting to kind of come together, literally and figuratively. Um, Wow. Um, hmm. I'm I'm just going to not say anything about it, because I I didn't like it as much as you did. And I'm liking this new, uh, improved, enthusiastic Curtis that we have this week. (laughs) Well, these books were so good. There's a string of them that were so fantastic. You're Uh, right. Like I said, it was a great week. Speaking of which, we come to Isola, uh, number six, which is the return of the book after taking a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershell are both uh, writing it and and doing the art on it. Um, It's a fantastic book. It's a fantasy setting. Uh, The queen in this book is turned into a tiger who looks very much like Battle Cat, by the way, from uh, uh, Master Universe. But um, (laughs) and and she's being led around by a knight, a female knight, who's trying to navigate this world and find out what happened and try to reverse this curse. Um, It's a beautiful book. It it sort of is is a much. It's not. I wouldn't say much. It's a bit of. It's a sort of a Disney fantasy esque element to it, but it's grown up. Um, the, the art, Carl Crochelle's art is fantastic. Everything about this book is great. I gave it a five. I'm happy it's back. I raved about the first five issues of this book. Go pick up the trade and then dive into the new stuff because it, it is a gorgeous fantasy series and I love it. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Every, everything, everything Kurt said is right. Um, you know, I, I like the story, but I love the art. Um, uh, the art yeah. really does it for me in a way that I can't explain. Um, it, it's gorgeous. It's lush. It's it's just really really good. Um, buy it for that if nothing else. But it is a solid story. Uh, I'll stick yeah. with Kurt's. Uh, what was your rating? Four point five. Five. No five. I oh, guess five. five. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll stick with that. And that brings us to Middle West, uh, number three by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona, or George Corona. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. I don't know. I'm terrible. Anyway, Middle West is very much a fantasy setting set in sort of our modern times. It's a mix there. It's good. It's about a young boy who's leaving the trailer park after his father turns into a raging tornado. Uh, And he meets a wizard, and now in this issue he meets a troll and a covered bridge who he ends up outwitting. It's a really fantastic book. Scotty Young, I you know what? When I first started seeing him do art and stuff, I was always like, hey, that guy's fun. He's got sort of that really cartoony almost Calvin and Hobbes-esque style art that was good yeah. in, over mm-hmm. at Marvel. But man, he's writing stuff, and I, he, he's writing Daredevil, or not Daredevil, uh, Deadpool over at Marvel, and there's been some good issues there. Wow. I never thought that dude could make it as a writer, but I'm telling you right now, he's doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Middle West number three, I give it a four. I recommend it. Yeah, yeah four's good. Um, Scotty Young, I, his art kind of drives me a little crazy. It's cutesy. It's good. Uh, I think yeah. it's too prevalent these days, uh, right. which, which I uh, will talk about when, if we mention another image book coming up, but um, 
that look works for certain books. Uh, but yeah. his writing, I will never never grow tired of. Uh, his art, yeah, but not his writing. And this story is really solid. Um, it's it's neat. It this it, it seems to me that when I'm when I'm reading this, it should be a movie. Uh, this would very much be a cool movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that brings us to Outpost Zero, number six, by Sean McKeever and Alessandro Tefengi. Tefengi? I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, uh, a bunch of kids living in this last outpost in the out in space, uh, trying to survive, as well as dealing with just teenage angst and life in general. Um, this book can go very slow. There are some issues that I think are very slow, even though it's only had six issues so far. But it's, right. it's really good. It's really good. It's another one of those books, man. You just got to read it and experience it. Uh, the art fits the story exceptionally well. Uh, it's, it's very subtle at times. Uh, most of the time, it's actually a very subtle story, but the, there's great characters there. It's a great story. Uh, this this issue in particular focuses on one of the kids that you really don't like at the beginning, and then you kind of get the backstory on this kid, and it uh, opens up your eyes to him a little bit more, and I like that a lot. I gave it a four. Uh, actually, I was a little more generous with it. I gave it I gave it a five. Um this book, right. the first issue, I believe, was my book of the week when it when it came out, um, yes, it and it continues to be really good. Um, I think that it, it is probably also best read in trade, and that is because of the pacing, where certain yeah. issues are just like it feels real slow. But I think if you're reading that in a chunk, uh, it, it'll work out and it'll be good. Uh, I like the story a lot. I look forward to this book going on forever and ever. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it will, but it it, it definitely is very yeah. good. It's a <laughs> highly recommended book. It, it should go on forever. And that brings us to a book I know Gene now was referencing earlier, Spawn Kills Everyone 2, number two, yeah. written by Todd McFarlane with art by Will Robson. Uh, we get baby Spawn, who has now spawned out a whole bunch of other Spawnlings from his butt when he thought he had to, uh, he thought he was pregnant, and then he just pooped them all out. Um Here's the thing about this. So they have a hit list of people they're killing. Uh, they go after Hulk, Cap, Captain America, and a Xenomorph, just randomly. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder about, like, using the likeness of characters in a book. Because in the first issue, it's very clear, like, Doctor Doom, Doctor Fate, Doctor Strange are there. Like, there's right. no – it's not even hiding it. <laughs> you know? It's like it's clear. Captain America looks slightly not Captain America, but only slightly. Up until he gets uh, changed, um, I don't know, dude. I I don't know. I yeah, get a the, one. Gene, go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, this is very much drawn in the Scotty Young style, and I, I hate this book so much. I really do. Yeah, Aquaman gets killed in it too. Um, there's just nothing good here. Just just Todd. You know what? Remember when you were buying baseballs and, and like doing like action figures? <laughs> Your, your action figures were great, so go back to that and buy some more baseballs. Um, I got one I'll sell you. I got a baseball. I'll sell it to you. I'll even sign it. Hey, just stop hey, making I, comics, please. You shouldn't go too far, man. I saw just very recently you shared a link to uh, Todd McFarlane drawing uh, Gwen, uh, Spider-Gwen recently yes, on Facebook. that was like yesterday or something. Um, sometimes I enjoy his art. I will say that I am a fan of Todd McFarlane's art. The man should never write comics. He needs to, he yeah. needs to draw. He, I, I'm perfectly okay with him drawing a book. I'm not okay with him writing a book. Honestly, the first book he ever wrote was Spider-Man number one. 
Uh, and that was probably the, the worst book I've ever read in my life to this day. <laughs> that's the worst, that's the worst one. Uh, the first issue of that book, just freaking terrible. And, but he hasn't really grown as a writer and he, he needs to stop. All right. Uh, the warning number three came out. Ed LaRoche, uh, did the art and drew, wrote the book. Um, it's about sort of, a an alien invasion coming to earth and these super soldiers who are, I guess, repelling it. Uh, but it's, it's going in, it's weird. It jumps around a lot to like when they're training to now, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm having a hard time following it. Um, I, for that reason, I gave it a two. Uh, the art is decent. But we'll see how it goes. Maybe it's maybe this is definitely something worth reading in trade form. Yeah, the, the two is is valid. Um, it's a great concept. I, I just but it, it's not really working for me yet. I'm gonna stick with it though. So I, I, yeah, there's potential there. Right. And that brings us to the Wicked and the Divine, number forty-one, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Jamie McKelvey. I'm a big fan of Wicked and Divine. I think this book is highly underrated, and a lot of people should really check it out. Uh, I say highly underrated, but it's not like I have my pulse on things. I don't really pay attention to people's opinions or social media too much. So, like, I just think it's underrated because I don't, like, see it when I pop onto Instagram for five seconds. Um, Right. Worth reading. Jamie McKelvey's art's great. Kieran Gillen's writing is great. The characters in this book are great. It can jump around a little bit. You do need to pick it up from issue one. In order to follow it, I think I gave the issue forty-one. I gave it a three. I think it's a good book. Nice. All right, that's cool. I'll stick with that. That brings us to our last book and Valiant's only book right now because Valiant's going through a little bit of an upheaval. It looks like they're getting ready to do a, like a sort of a, a, a new round of books. Um, Shadow Man, number eleven, written by uh, Andy Diggle. Sorry, and Renato Guedes and Eric Battle did the art. I'm not a big fan of Shadow Man in any incarnation, and this incarnation's okay at best. I gave the issue a two. He's fighting Darks, the Master Darks' sister, in sort of in the uh, the Loa Shadow World, whatever. Whatever. It's a lot of the same. The art's good. There you go. Yeah, could I uh, mention a book that I forgot to put on my list, but I really enjoyed this week? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you do read some offbeat stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, um, dark old oh, dark. This is Dark Ark, which I know we both really like. Oh, really? Um, I didn't remember that came out. Yeah, uh, they are on land. Uh, the demons are—they're definitely dropping their truce with the humans. Uh, but there is a deadlier threat out there, and uh, they may have to team up to fight it. We'll see. Uh, but and so there's some death in this issue. Um, it's a, a great beginning, a new beginning for the book because now that the Ark has landed. Uh, they're waiting to see if Noah's Ark comes and lands also. And if it does, these demons are waiting and they're very hungry. Uh, it's, a, it's a good book. Solid. I give it a four. And actually, hold it. There, there was an, another book that I read. And I only Here's read the, it for this show. Here's the only thing, dude. I, oh, yeah? I think mm-hmm. I think you read last issue's Dark of Dark Ark that came out of, like two weeks ago. Really? I, I yeah, I'm, look. I'm looking right I'm looking right now. It's not on there. And, and the what, you described, what, what you described was the last issue. Wow, that, that's bizarre. Sorry about that, guys. I'm a, I'm a piece of crap. I did read that dumb Avatar book that came out. I, I hate so, to end it on a negative note, but, <laughs> but I read it, so I want to talk about it. Uh, Sherry Smith and Jan 
Durithima, Durithima, who and Jan's yeah. uh, done some work for Marvel and DC, I think, in the past. Uh, the reason I mentioned this book is the art was really solid. Um, if I was an Avatar fan at all, I'd probably like this book. Uh, it's a story set during the events of the Avatar movie, so you get to see the you know the characters from that. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a fan of this, go read the book. If if you're not like me, then you know it just kill you. <laughs> right. But yeah, I give it a two. Let, let's be let's. I want to end on a positive note because there were so many good books this week. Yeah, there was. It was a very solid week. And actually, I'm wrong. Uh, Aftershock, uh, Dark Art did come out. It's just what you described was almost exactly what happened in the previous issue, too. So I missed the okay, book. I thought, yeah, I, I thought last issue ended with them landing, but this is them on land. Huh. Okay. Like, like actually on the land. Yeah, like I said, check it out. It was really good. Uh, yeah. I was wondering what was going to happen now that the Ark landed. And it looks like there's plenty of story left. Yeah, I, I love that book. I'm, I'm, I kick myself for missing it because I usually rave about that one. It happens. I mean, there's so many books. Even on, yeah, on a relatively small week like this one, there's like 56 books, you said? There was like Something 58 like that. that we covered, yeah, that we, we picked up and, and that, covered. Yeah, and that's a small week. <laughs> that's relatively right. small for what comes out uh, – and that's insane. But, yeah, you know, occasionally we'll miss a book. And we try not to. Uh, if we do, mention it on our social media to us. Then yeah, we'll be more than happy missing. to. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, tell us what you're enjoying, too. We'd love to know. Yeah, we'd love to know. And we ask every episode, what's on your pull list? What is on your pull list? All right. I'm going to play a commercial from our sponsor, and then we're out of here. We'll see you folks next week. Check out our regular shows on Fridays, our top five Tuesdays, which are usually up on Tuesdays, as just like the title would insinuate, and um, <laughs> which means that today there should be one up if, if you're listening to this like in a timely fashion. But who knows? Uh, and then what else? We've got some big stuff coming up in a few weeks, uh, leading into Valentine's Day. We got some specials. Uh, Captain Marvel, the week of Captain Marvel, we have a '90s movie top five movies of the 90s which is coming up a big special all week long uh and then that leads into some other big stuff later in uh this month this year whatever yeah i have a kind of a cool announcement kind of thing Shoot. um if you're if you're a local to west palm beach or you just like to come to conventions comic-con revolution is coming up in march and uh i have once again been drafted by uh Alex Weiner to do a panel on the the state of Marvel and DC cinematic universes. Uh, hmm. It'd be okay. twelve o'clock, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, and we we've done this this particular panel a number of times, and it always has a good turnout, and it's always a lot of fun. So I look forward to that. Uh, anytime Alex and I can team up on a panel, I'm always for it. Right. Sweet. I like it. Mm-hmm. But here's a commercial from our sponsor, Buck Buccaneer. And we'll see you next time. The Legend of Buck Buccaneer, now on Kickstarter. The Legend of Buck Buccaneer started out as an idea formulated by two lifelong friends, Dan Bodenstein and Ron Robron. Their original idea had Buck as a character in a comic book. But over several years, they did expand it into a full-fledged adventure novel, now available on Kickstarter. This young adult novel about Buck Buccaneer, a simple swashbuckler. He has a thirst for adventure, and he is tossed into a world of piracy 
His present mixes with his past as he is driven to find answers to who he really is. Fascinated by the folklore and legends of the notorious pirate, Captain Lucky Longfeather, Buck hatches a plan. Together with his first mate, Mr. Egg, and his burly quartermaster, Chumley, Buck sets out to find a crew to undertake a quest to solve a long-standing mystery of the Caribbean. Encouraging children to read has been a goal for Dan and Ron. Instead of stretch goals, they decide to donate books. For every $100 pledged, they donate a book to the Little Free Library. The Little Free Library is a nonprofit organization that provides free books to people throughout the use of local little libraries. For additional information, follow The Legends of Buck Buccaneer on Facebook and look for them on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. Visit us online at nerdnationradio.com. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Grindr at Nerd Nation Radio. So until next time, tune in, nerd out.